but it's gonna be okay. We're gonna we're gonna make this work. Uh, we're all set up. Welcome back to the DMGT podcast. I am your host Danny, and today we are without your boy Spencer because he decided to um, go see Coheed and Cambria for the umpteenth time instead of uh, being on the podcast with me rude we were gonna be on a roll here uh, and he breaks two episodes in two episodes into you know the restart and the end of the year way to go spencer i'm just kidding i hope coheed is fun there is a fun picture of uh young spencer with uh claudio sanchez the front man for um coheed and it's great I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to share that on social media without him knowing Sorry, Spencer, that's going to happen. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe we can tag Coheed and Claudia will respond or something. They'll say something nice. I don't know. We'll see. So just me today, folks. I'm sorry for all the Spencer fans. Uh, you have to you have to live with me. But we have a loaded, loaded episode. It's going to be a little bit more game heavy, but on the business side of game things, because there's a bunch of stuff. The, t- the biggest news of the day and the week maybe the biggest gaming leaks in game in the games industry history massive documents and information released um by microsoft by accident submitting some unredacted documentation to the courts in relation to the ftc and activision blizzard acquisitions we're talking like hundreds of pages and a bunch of like business plans of uh, images plans around the xbox bethesda games um it's all the <laughs> all their their entire lineup of games are like big launches for the next two years what they're doing with the uh, next actual next generation uh, of the xbox elder scroll 6 allegedly trying to purchase nintendo and uh valve if you could believe it so we're going to be digging into some of this because there's so much um to be had there this has all basically been confirmed a court confirmed that these documents were real phil spencer has responded effectively also kind of showing us that this is real so we'll get into a little bit of that uh before that unity the game engine that a lot of indie games uh build off of huge mistake in some changes that they wanted to do for install fees uh that was like the big news over the weekend uh before this microsoft stuff really took over um and we'll give you some updated impressions on starfield because i've put in some more time on that and i think i'm almost ready to switch full full swing back into um Baldur's Gate 3, but let's start with the Unity news. We did briefly talk about this, I think, or at least Spencer wanted to bring it up last week, but we didn't end up actually talking about it. Uh, but Unity wanted to install a um, uh, or, or apply an install fee to all their games where every install effectively costs you 20 cents for as a developer. So every time someone installed their game, it would cost you 20 cents. Uh, and this was m- received with massive backlash in the industry. You had people like Jack, uh, Jeff Keighley, um, like responding with like, this is a mistake, guys. What are you doing? Uh, who typically defends all gaming stuff. So we did mention that last week. But let's get into a little bit more of this because they have started backtracking a little bit here. But we have an example from uh, some developers saying, all right, let's say you make a game that's free to play, freemium, so you got in-game transactions, like a Fortnite, for example, right? You buy skins and yada, yada. 
you make $200,000 from in-game purchases on their game that's been installed 3 million times with 20 cents per install, 2 million, 2.8 million units. That's 560 K. This is, uh, dead static drive, uh, the developer for dead static drive, 560 K that they now owe. That's $360,000 more than they made from the, the game itself and from in-game purchases because of the, their free-to-play model. Uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's like you're really diving in, like you're diving into the, uh, the profits that a lot of these developers are, are trying to make some pretty low mar uh, thin margins for, especially for the free-to-play uh, folks and the indie developers. Nintendo wasn't happy about this. Sony wasn't happy about this. Microsoft not happy about this. Epic, Steam, all these major players also had implications here because now if like their developers that were building games on that engine can no longer sustain like reasonably create those games, those games are now off the table, right? So, uh, backlash from the developers, from publisher, <laughs> just like across the board, just a massive mistake that Unity did here. They have apologized. They didn't say, they haven't said exactly what they will be scaling back and to what degree, uh, but they did mention that they're making some changes. Um, cap, they're considering, so here's where we are, they're considering capping fees to 4% of a game's revenue for customers making over a million dollars. This is effectively how, like, Unreal Engine operates, uh, which was hilarious because Unreal Engine took this as an opportunity to like tweet out, we only succeed when you succeed. Our 5% royalty model only kicks in after your first million dollars in gross revenue. That means if you make a million dollars and one, one million and one dollars, you owe five cents and that's per title. And then you had the developers for uh, Terraria speak speak out and they donated a hundred thousand dollars to the godot game engine and the fna game engine so really like unprecedented mistake that unity is making they haven't said again exactly what they will be scaling back but they have apologized for this just kind of a stupid thing it's like this is uh so the reason why all of these details i'm bringing up because it's related to everything that we're talking about today in this episode. You have the CEO of Unity that was previously the head of EA. You know, the company that was, uh, well, a few years in a row, uh, like five, six years ago, uh, most hated gaming company in, in the world. You know, this is the this is the leadership that incorporated loot boxes in FIFA and uh, like really huge rise in microtransactions in games. This is the guy that said uh, any developer not focusing on microtransactions is an effing idiot. Uh, this is the guy that said that and had to apologize for it afterwards. So to no surprise, you know, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> making really stupid decisions over at Unity trying to make games, uh, except that everyone will not do that. Like, people are pivoting over. They're planning on switching over. This sucks, because I think Unity as a game engine uh, on its own is is really cool, free to use. Like, a lot of these major game engines, like, you can learn it, download it for free, start testing around with game development, and you could launch a game, a lot of game. Uh, Indie studios have launched games in this way. Uh, Hollow Knight being maybe one of the bigger examples. Um, so it's like a good engine. It's a good game engine. I've enjoyed most games that are built on the Unity game engine. 
So this is just like a ridiculous way to completely lose all that goodwill that you had going for you with a lot of people. It's just a lot of like miss thing. Like again, just if if someone internally took two seconds to think about this for a little bit longer, you'd catch a lot of this stuff where you know developers are asking people not to install their games and so on. Uh, it's like okay, this this has like no. Uh, fail safes or safeguards against like malicious installs like okay what if now that people know that all right they're gonna get charged per game like what if the internet does you know <laughs> the shitty internet thing and they decide like let's get a campaign going to install uh get a bunch of installs like install delete install uninstall install uninstall that that counts as an install every single time so uh, in their original uh update that's 20 cents per install um they didn't have any updates around that until like after the backlash. You're like, oh wait, no, we do have some fraud detection practices and stuff to like help alleviate this. And it's like, well, that doesn't make me feel nice. So yeah, just a complete mess over there uh, on on Unity side. It's just one of those. This is just one of those fascinating things that I I think people don't normally think about when it comes to gaming, like the mechanics and and the background functions and the the way that the business operates with gaming because. It's a very lucrative, but also super competitive space to try and be into, right? Like mobile accounts for like, uh, we talk about like video gaming as an industry making more money than like movies and music combined, uh, movies, TVs, and music combined. Um, but half of that is driven by uh, mobile gaming, which the Unity engine also supports uh, mobile games. Um but but if you don't do this right, because this isn't like most games are like one time fees, right? So it's not like a typical like in the tech space, like software model, right? Like this isn't normally things aren't like a, on a recurring subscription. You're not getting money over and over again from the same gamer unless you release games to the cadence that like an NBA 2K, a Call of Duty and so on do. But even those work because so many people buy them. These are some of the biggest franchises uh, in the world. Uh, but but as far as like individual games go, like uh, if it costs a lot of money to like get developers to be building a game, something like uh, uh, Final Fantasy 16, uh, I believe that Square Enix just announced that they're losing like 200. They've lost so far 200 million dollars or they're still 200 million dollars in the hole, uh, partly because, you know, of the PlayStation 5 ex exclusivity. So like once that opens up uh, next year for PC and Xbox, I think that'll uh, help alleviate some of that and more sales as the year goes on um yeah there's st they can still be pretty tight margins uh we have the studio that um makes uh uh made all the borderland games gearbox uh they're looking to sell they're looking to get acquired by someone else because they're you know running low on operating cash and, and and revenue they've they have generated over a billion dollars in revenue throughout their lifetime but we're talking over the course of like what is it like 10 years that uh they've made the three four games is it four game four three borderlands and a couple of uh like uh offshoots so they're looking to to sell so you know it's a <laughs> a weird time in in the gaming space where a lot of consolidation is happening and then some studios are like shutting down like the uh, studio that just did um Saints Row Saints Row uh this is uh Volition 
they just shut down after 30 years. They've been around for 30 years. Um, so it's uh, a weird, a weird time in the in the gaming industry with all this stuff happening. And then you get all these leaks, and obviously the big news uh, over the last twenty twelve months. Yeah, I'd even say twenty four. With going back to the Activision uh, to the Bethesda acquisition, rather, um, obviously has been uh, Microsoft acquiring. Uh, Activision Blizzard, Activision Blizzard King, which has gone through right now. All the leaks and legal document and court stuff is just formalities to like close the uh, close the deal. It's it's happening. So a bunch of documents leaked overnight, and it, at first it seemed like okay, just some emails, some communications here and there, some plans, and then it's just all hell breaks loose. It is effectively hundreds of pages of documentations of unredacted discovery, effectively like legal, like discovery um, that the FTC and the courts needed access to on their strategy and like why it was okay for them to acquire uh it's okay for them to acquire activision blizzard yada 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 but it's giving us a ton of insights into like a lot of the games that they're releasing uh the upcoming console strategy that they have the upcoming game pass strategy like this is unprecedented imagine imagine like apple's like four-year plan being completely out there like here's what we're doing where we're going with ipad here's where we're going with iphone with mac with the uh, m with the m chips the in-house silicon all the emails internally from from like tim cook to their marketing teams and to the developer the developing teams and the rest of their executive leadership like this is that scale of a leak for uh, xbox and microsoft because they sent over unreda- a link to an unredacted uh, discovery doc and file that was supposed to be contained like the, the redacted uh, files instead. So this was an oopsies on Microsoft side. This wasn't like the FTC uploaded it or the courts uploaded it. It's like, no, <laughs> they sent us the files and we uploaded the files that they sent us for, you know, legal access. They just happened to send us the wrong one. So massive massive news phil spencer and i'm gonna i'm gonna read off phil spencer's uh response first before i get into a lot of these details uh because i think it's important to uh, kind of paint the picture of where i'm going with this so Phil Spencer responds as of Tuesday afternoon. We've seen the conversation around old emails and documents. It is hard to see our team's work shared in this way because so much has changed and there's so much to be excited about right now and in the future. We will share the real plans when we are ready. So no denial. The the couple of things that I noticed right away, he's not denying those documents are are real. The, The judge confirmed that they're real. At this point, this is effectively confirmation from Phil Spencer. Like, yeah, this sucks that those law documents got leaked in our internal emails. But it's it's also a little bit of like trying to control the narrative a little bit, but not as much. Like, it's hard to see our team's work shared this way. I I totally get that. I think leaks, especially when it comes to like details about upcoming games and unreleased or unreleased titles that you aren't ready to share yet. I think the biggest example, or maybe one of the biggest examples uh, in recent memory, is like the leaks for The Last of Us Part Two and the story leaks and all that, and how that completely painted and distorted the image uh, and the online conversation before this game even launched. Like people had their minds made up before they even touched the game because they were missing out on all the context. And once the game released, it's like, yeah, no, this is actually a really good story. Um, 
I get why people some some people wouldn't like it, but this is a good story. You overblew the the leaks, and some of them are wrong, or or they were misrepresented because they don't have all the context. That stuff totally I understand. Like that that sucking for the teams that are working on these games hard. You know, a lot of developers and writers in the games industry they're doing this uh, because it's a passion, right? And unfortunately, that means they usually get exploited because of it too. But I, I feel for them as far as like the strategy and like the communications between ex- executive teams and like executive leadership. I'm a little less sympathetic on uh, because these are people with we're talking like very real power at this point, uh, Microsoft being a two and a half trillion dollar company. So that's where I'm going to start there, because the big thing here is emails between Phil from Phil Spencer uh, internally talking about wanting and his desire to acquire uh nintendo this is uh like in his words this would be like a career moment nintendo is the prime asset for us in gaming that's the quote and that getting nintendo would be a career moment and i honestly believe a good move for both companies now this was back in august of 2020 is is this email so like Phil Spencer saying that things change and they do like in the business setting just things change and priorities change all the time but the general sentiment and the sentimentality of that statement of like it would be a career moment, the prime asset for Microsoft and gaming. This is like right around the launch of the Xbox uh, Series S and the Series X. So like the strategy can't have changed that much, even if there wasn't like even if this is just like an email in passing. Right. Um, that sentiment can't like I can't imagine that changes that much for Phil Spencer. And here's where I will. um uh, pull up the email here and 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 like the the big news that i i've seen a lot of gaming outlets like talk about like oh phil spencer talked about this being the thing that he wanted to do and it's like okay nothing's set in stone right now which fine but in that same email uh he says that he has kept in touch with a former board of directors member of microsoft who i'm not gonna name here it feels kind of weird to like name name this person that is unrelated to any of this well directly related um has kept in touch with them as they're acquiring this person that used to be on Microsoft's board of directors has heavily acquired Nintendo stock. It's likely that he will be pushing for more from Nintendo stock, which could create opportunities for us without that catalyst. I don't see an angle to a near term, mutually agreeable merger of Nintendo and Microsoft. And I don't think a hostile action would be a good move. So we are playing the long game. He goes on to say that um, our board of directors has seen the full write-up on Nintendo and Valve, and this is where the Valve uh, situation comes into play, and they are fully supportive on either if opportunity arises. So yes, just like an email uh, with the title of a random thought and this and that, but not just, you know, a passing thought. They have full full write-up a a microsoft board of directors has seen a full write-up on the opportunities and like how microsoft could acquire and obviously it's just a pitch from phil spencer right um nintendo and valve but then he closes out saying that they are fully supportive if either opportunity arises here's where this gets uh tricky because now phil spencer has uh according to this email from again, August 2020, so I understand things change, has a direct line, a direct insider line to someone who used to be a Microsoft board of directors that is now acquiring a lot of Nintendo shares. And if 
you do that and you continue to have that line, well, who's to say that you can't, you know, suddenly become a part of Nintendo's board because you acquire so many shares and start influencing decisions through through that way, right? Like this starts getting a little trickier where it's like, you know, Phil Spencer could say, you know, the words, things change all he wants. But the fact is the ability for him to easily go reach out and, and get things going if he wanted to, or like he mentions here, a hostile takeover is very real for Microsoft. I don't think this is something you can just like brush over. It's like, ah, our plans change all the time and this and that. This would be a bad thing, folks, for the gaming industry. And despite it just being a rumor, nothing set in stone, once again, I think what I'm trying to hit on here is the ability that and the access that Microsoft has, Nintendo cannot compete with, Sony cannot compete with. There are like two other companies in the world that could compete at this at this level if they wanted to, and you'd have to get outside. Uh, it's, it'd have to be a a new player entirely into the space. Like if it either came from like Apple or Amazon, which I also don't want. Right. So this is a little bit of a tricky tricky thing here. Um, something that I think we have to keep an eye on. Uh, bring up because you got to keep these companies honest and like again as <laughs> i i understand that like microsoft and xbox are currently like you know the darlings of the gaming space because jim ryan is kind of you know unapproachable and honestly to be fair the ps5 has been slow like the gaming on the ps5 has been slow it's been basically insomniac it's basically just been insomniac i loved returnal but like come on that's not a system seller um God of War Ragnarok was available on the PS4, so that's not really like a true PS5 like pusher, even though it looked way better on the PS5. You know, they got to step it up here a little bit because now with these acquisitions and like Game Pass in particular is where uh, Microsoft has won over the masses for the most part because like, hey, I'm paying $5 a month, $10 a month um, or $5 a month on my Series S and i get to play online and i get access to all like this huge library of games like this is an amazing deal which it absolutely is that as things stand today it's great but the more and more they acquire this is just how tech and how companies work in in, in their acquisitions in, in how they want to establish market share this is the playbook you provide a ton of value for cheap and you win over the market share, and then once you have taken over the market share, and the other competitor and the other people can't compete because you have, you know, the money that Microsoft has backing you, then you shut it all down. Despite, and maybe I believe Phil Spencer when he says that he doesn't want to kill the gaming industry or like, you know, bring like consolidate everything under the sun uh, under Microsoft. But Phil Spencer's not going to be the uh, the head of Xbox forever. He still has a boss in Microsoft CDO who does care about the numbers. There's an email, for another, another document released in this leak, an email from Satya Nadella, the CEO for Microsoft. He was asking, like, okay, well, I just saw the PS5 announcement. What, are, what do you think? Where would you stand uh, with our market share with Xbox? So he care he very clearly cares about the numbers, and I think people forget that. Like Phil Spencer can't, I'm sure, has a ton of autonomy and like has control over Xbox, but he still has a boss, someone he has to respond to. And if Sadia at some point says, "Screw it, take over, go here's here's the money, go," he's gonna do it. 
<laughs> because he have because they have the power to to do it. They have the ability, and I think that's what needs to be like kept in mind in all of these conversations, especially online with you know a bunch of like. Uh, Sony fanboys and Xbox fanboys at each other's throats and talking about the games and this that which it should be about the games but like these aren't like you know innocent conversations these are people with very real power and very real money to make things these types of things happen now culturally I don't know how I don't think Nintendo would do it just because I think culturally even if the dollars were there um I think Japan and Nintendo has their own thing going. They like doing their own thing. Uh, I think Microsoft literally tried this back in the 64 era before they did the Xbox. Uh, they tried to like partner and merge with Nintendo and Nintendo said, hell no. Um, so I imagine like it's that's more of a cultural thing rather than a dollar signs thing. Um, but at some point, the dollar signs will win out, baby. Like <laughs> that's just the world we live in. So something to keep in mind there. Same deal with Valve. Um, I know Valve has, uh, I mean, what have they done lately? Not not too much, right? Like, people are waiting on, like, um, Half-Life 3 that will never happen. Uh, but Steam, you know, being, even though, like, Steam primarily functions out of the Microsoft ecosystem, because that's where PC gaming, for the, like, most part really happens, there's really no other true player in the PC gaming space. Some people will do, like, Linux or Macs can start gaming now, and you can download Steam on that, too, but it's really all happening under Microsoft. So, in one sense, it's, like, already kind of there, but they're also, like, a separate store, you know, they're an, they're an entirely separate entity that operates completely independently of whatever anyone does in, in the, uh, PC hardware space. So I wouldn't love that either. That would like kind of lock things down to the Microsoft store and the Xbox app on, on windows, which windows 11 and stuff I don't love. So all of that is there and all of that to say, don't, <laughs> don't brush this under the rug as just like rumors and emails, because even if they are, uh, the ability is there. The evidence is there now that they at least have a plan. A plan exists and the, and the board of directors over at Microsoft have signed off. So if the, so if the opportunity is there, I don't care what Phil Spencer tweeted, he would do it. They would do it because it would be the business correct thing to do at least for the board and microsoft in, investors so uh that's like the big thing that i wanted to touch on before i moved on to all the other leaks and that's at least the stuff that is uh most important or the things that i've uh, thought found more most interesting so uh my uh, phil spencer not that long ago said um that he didn't believe uh that the xbox needed a mid uh, life cycle, uh, refresh, like a pro version of an Xbox, like, uh, like we're getting allegedly with the PS5. We got the PS4 pro, we got the Xbox, um, one X, right? Mid, uh, mid year of the Xbox one or mid cycle. Allegedly, apparently that was a lie because we are for sure getting a disc, like all digital slightly updated Xbox series X, uh, coming in 2024, like as early as next year. So that's a lot of the stuff is like moving fast. So there will be an event, allegedly, uh, these mar marketing materials, I'm sure that they will update and change over the next year or so. But allegedly in June, there's going to be an event. They're going to announce the updated Xbox Series X, an updated, maybe slim Xbox Series S. And then long term, moving in a direction where 
they have plans, or some of these documents talk about doing a uh, cloud console hybrid. So moving to ARM architecture rather than x64, which is really more of a CPU thing, but that really shows that they maybe care a little bit less about like outputting the most powerful machine out there, really hammering in on a uh, game pass and doing that hybrid situation where it's like some games you can only play on the cloud. Some games you can install directly on your uh, device going to be less powerful if they go arm, unless, you know, some developments happen there really quickly over the next couple of years. Something that's like, a l I'm a little less, you know, on board on. I'm, I don't mind like the, uh, refreshed series X, mid cycle series X being di all digital only. Um, but having that as your only option moving forward is, uh, is where you lose me on. Um, and I've said this about the PlayStation, uh, portal, the new, the, weird handheld cloud only handheld we've criticized that here uh we've criticized nintendo on that so i don't know how i feel about that it feels a little bit strange and i'm not super on board with that but that would allegedly happen in in or around 2028 which lines up to the seven eight year uh console lifespan that we've been seeing uh over the past few few generations we're getting a, a new xbox that that updated mid-cycle Xbox getting a new Xbox controller, which looks cool. It looks interesting. Uh, haptic feedback and a rechargeable and swappable battery, which I think is a very cool. Um, it looks a little bit updated. It looks, you know, solid. I'm, I'm not mad at that. It also seems like they might go after the PlayStation portal with a uh, sub $99 consumer or handheld device option uh, using some lighter version of an OS for probably just cloud-based. So yeah, almost effectively directly a PlayStation Portal competitor. If they come in with a $99 handheld device that is cloud, um, but but you don't need, you aren't tethered to a console, like I'm much more interested in that uh, PlayStation. So uh, get your act together over there. So I wouldn't be upset at that one uh, for as far as a handheld goes. Uh, but yeah, just a bunch of like timelines and milestones over like, you know, the hardware design and what they're looking for from the silicon, the platforms, the game engines, um, you know, marketing kits and when they ex expect a, a lot of this stuff, yada, yada. It's like this is like a full rundown of like internally, like how you would plan effectively a, a new product launch. There's a pretty funny email in here as well uh, from uh, Phil Spencer, like talking about watching the PS5 announcements and being like, I'm not worried about it. We have a better product and like, you know, we're in a good, we're in good shape. We have a winning formula and so on. I do think like uh, on the hardware side, like uh, like pound for pound, if you compare the PS5 to the Xbox Series X, it's the Xbox Series X is undoubtedly the better and stronger product on a purely technical scale. Like uh, we talk a lot about like movies and like home theater stuff here. Well, not a lot, but you know, we, we like doing that stuff too. Uh, and uh, the PS5 can only output 422 on the Chroma Space with HDMI 2.1, so it's limited to uh, the 24 gigabits per second. Um, whereas the Xbox Series X, full third, full bandwidth, the 30 gigabits per second on the HDMI 2.1, which means that you get full color Chroma 444. It's going to look better. Like if you collect Blu-rays, for example, get the Xbox Series X. So like on that side, Phil was 100% correct on they have the better product on the hardware. Um, 
unfortunately for them, gaming is more of a software play uh, because games at the end of the day are software and people are going to go where the software is. And that's, you know, why they haven't really won over despite PlayStation five, like I mentioned earlier, not really, uh, like dominating or like uh any lead that they have this generation is coming off the heels of the success and the games that were launched on the ps4 the ps5 has been relatively slow up until we're getting um spider-man obviously horizon uh forbidden west was a big one but Elden ring again completely overshadowed that last year spider-man 2 is probably the next big one that will push more more sales even more than god of war ragnarok i think coming off of a year where spider-man across the spider-verse just like you know crushed it at the box office and things like that so other otherwise like playstation is uh living off the uh, off the pass here with the with the software side but even though they do still have have the lead there so that's where you know again satya uh will will be like hey just start start buying stuff um here so that's that's uh a funny piece there they have uh, i'm not going to get too into the details with the game leaks and the game roadmaps because this is the stuff that for sure is most likely to change the, as we since we don't know how old some of these documents are um they, they're a little dated not super dated like from earlier this year but even like in six months things uh can drastically change but the big the big stuff here is we're getting an oblivion remaster which i think is cool uh i would love to replay oblivion a little bit more updated um to no one's real surprise and i think some people were kind of holding out hope that the uh, elder scrolls 6 would come to the ps5 the elder scrolls 6 is not coming to the ps5 folks uh sorry to say i think I don't know why anyone would hold on to that hope. I know Xbox has kind of said that they would consider it on a case-by-case basis. Like maybe that has changed as well, but after this year, I highly doubt it. Um, so I imagine, like, yeah, I, of course, I, I would expect the Elder Scrolls 6, just like, you know, most PlayStation exclusives aren't coming to the Xbox. These new, new recent uh xbox exclusives aren't coming to the ps5 I, I hear a lot of like or i see a lot of conversations online and i don't know if anyone listening necessarily feels this way you know that i will give everyone the heat uh even though i want pay pay us send us free shit to review uh and then send no microsoft please it will be fair uh, but no but we're gonna like review things critically i think i critique everyone across the board pretty evenly here again microsoft being the two and a half trillion dollar behemoth here gets more scrutiny than others but that's because they have more money like suck it up there a little bit um why doesn't anyone make a stink or i hear why does or the comments i say why doesn't anyone make a stink about playstation exclusives and this and that, like i totally think that's fair um playstation and sony are not acquiring uh studios at this level right this is like like uh microsoft acquiring uh Activision Blizzard is like I would criticize Sony if like if they had the capability to acquire like Take Two for example with uh, Take Two does like NBA Two K um, Red the Red Dead series and GTA series and like imagine if GTA Six went exclusive either way that's too big that's too big of a game to make exclusive um, and. The fact of the matter is Sony or Nintendo do not have that money 
to to do that so that's why it's like okay but like spider-man exclusive like yeah yeah uh they tried putting spider-man on xbox and xbox didn't want it or something like that so like i get that insomniac insomniac doesn't have like exclusive rights to spider-man is the other thing right so like warner brother games can like make spider-man games you've had the batman series uh you've had like spider-man the character implemented uh, with like marvel uh marvel's avengers that game like other studios have access to the spider-man ip and the spider-man name it just how happens that insomniac who started off making um what was it uh, uh infamous games on the ps3 so this is we're going back to multiple generations now when when uh, playstation brought up the studio to that was making a game that like no one you know wasn't a household name this is these are completely different situations it's also like imagine um nintendo like saying okay no fifa is only on the switch now like yeah this is too i'd be like no this is ridiculous too big um even though call of duty is staying on the ps5 allegedly but again like all of these plans kind of show this so that's why i bring it up with with xbox a little bit more um even though playstation has here's the thing playstation has the market share they're what like 55 percent of the console market share in the u.s um no 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 sorry it's like 45 it's like 45 20 and 20 ish something like that fix my math you you get where i'm going with that um it's playstation xbox nintendo um pretty big like that's pretty big that's almost half of the u.s market share but the gaming industry doesn't it doesn't operate and it doesn't exist in a vacuum, right? Uh, a lot of the way that games are either distributed or 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 made and and created and the way that it's marketed and and all of that, all of the the facets around it uh, have technical implementations too. Microsoft being a bigger tech company than Sony Sony is, even though uh, Microsoft's more on the software side these days. They do some hardware, obviously than sony is sony is more like consumer electronics and some movies and, and stuff like that uh entertainment media more more so than than microsoft um yeah you you have the ability like with microsoft azure to like host all the games and stuff like really build out infrastructure and lock everyone out it's not so much that they would or saying that they are because they're doing all the right things right now to like make game pass accessible and they're doing this because it looks better legally around these acquisitions as is, is, is oh my god acquisitions again long term phil spencer's not going to be the head of microsoft and x uh, of xbox forever satya nadell is not going nadella isn't going to be the ceo and the head of microsoft forever once they're gone who's to say that the next person that comes in like well we have these assets so i'm gonna like lock them down to us the, uh, that's that's where we don't we don't want to get to that point in the first place at all like not, not having to get to that to that place fortunately we live in a capitalist system so like at the end of the day uh, people are like oh competition's good like yes competition is good i've said that here but the end game of capitalism is to like kill the other company right <laughs> like that's where that competition that's like a, it's like any sporting competition you there needs to be a winner that's the only way that this works 
forever. And like, that's where we've been getting some problems these days. Anyways, I don't want to get too Spencer political here, but that's where we are there with the Xbox uh, leaks. There's a ton, a ton more. You can uh, diverge and Tom Warren over at the Verge, the senior senior editor over there has basically taken a point here and has a lot of really good information around a lot of this stuff. Um, what <laughs> they, uh, they had the opportunity to have Baldur's Gate in uh, Game Pass. I think this is kind of, kind of a funny tidbit. This isn't exclusively a, a Microsoft blunder. Um, but yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 barely made the list to bring Game Pass, uh, to bring out to Game Pass. Um, I think they Larian Studios was looking for uh, maybe a partnership or some funding or something to like, you know, get their game out a little bit faster, you know, optimizing on Xbox and all that. Xbox and the team said, nah, we don't think this game's really going to pop off. They had it on like the lowest tier. Uh, they have like a ranking of lists of like things that they're keeping track of. And they obviously missed a the mark there because now X, uh, PC has had it. Now the PS5 has it and the Xbox Series X still does not have it because they're also still trying to figure out the parity with the Series S and not having um, split screen co-op. They dropped the ball there. To be fair, everyone dropped the ball. No one knew that Baldur's Gate 3 and this type of game would pop off the way that it did over the last month and a half. Good for them just i don't know kind of a funny one where it's like oh man playstation like <laughs> xbox had a, had a shot to like really get like you know in there i don't think it would have been an exclusive but like to have probably the game of the year this year uh on game pass would have been uh, a little bit of a game breaker or deal uh deal cha game changer good god i cannot speak today okay all right let's wrap up this episode um with some some game stuff i'll share some final some more thoughts on starfield these will be my last uh, starfield thoughts on the on the pod before i do a review for youtube uh youtube.com slash at the at dmgt um go subscribe thank you very much and obviously we have the iphone 15 pro that's coming in for me your boy because <laughs> speaking of not criticizing big companies enough i mean i poke at apple i just like their products luckily they're not really like you know, it's, uh, this, this isn't like a, I mean, phone, smartphone wars kind of exist, but it's not to the degree that gaming does. Like, I don't think there's anything that Apple can really do on the software side to like, you know, completely change the future of mobile OSs the way that like Microsoft can change the future of gaming, the gaming industry. It's a little bit of a different situation. Uh, anyways, um, that's just that's just me uh, copium a little bit uh starfield i've put in a few more hours uh i have slowed down a little bit the amount of time i've been playing and i think that's a little bit indicative of how i feel about the game uh it just takes a long time to like it takes a long time for the story to really pick up the, the main story um and it's like oh some stuff is kind of locked like you just have to keep progressing the like abilities and stuff are unlocked uh, in the main quest, so it's like, okay, I want to go start doing that stuff now. And I'm like 30 hours in. It's a typical Bethesda game. Uh, I am starting to like fall off the honeymoon phase here a little bit. Um, mods, I think, are absolutely necessary. The lack of vehicles, ground vehicles in the game is killing me when i'm trying to explore planet because i've gotten to a point where i'm starting to set up outposts and stuff on different planets for like resource mining and gathering to like you know get better 
ship parts and get better uh, like training and obviously make in-game currency to buy better weapons and buy better ship parts and buy ships and all of that stuff. But then eventually I'm just going to start finding them too. Uh, some of the quest lines give you a ton of money. People have found a new uh, Starfield <laughs> credits glitch. So like, I'm probably going to try that. But then it's like, okay, what else? The Man, the companions. Uh, people are loving the companions in Starfield. I feel like a crazy person because I feel like, the to me, the companions are such a downgrade from Fallout 4. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like The Constellation members are great and they banter with each other. But outside of them, they they don't interact with non uh, constellation members, so which is like super weird. So if you have like, uh, I don't know, like a member that you run into from a from one of the the guild quests or the faction quests, like uh, Mathis was someone that I didn't end up adding as a companion to to my crew, uh, but apparently he is one. Um, and then like it's just like blank. There's like no further dialogue or enriching dialogue after the, the faction quest where it's like at least, you know, like uh, like Sam will give you some interesting tidbits about like, you know, space exploration and the factions. Uh, Sarah, the character Sarah will give you like fun tidbits about like space exploration and the history of like, you know, some of the war stuff before uh, the events of this game. And then... You know, then after that, it just all falls a little bit flat. I don't know. I feel like the companions in Fallout 4 were a little bit stronger uh, for me there. And, like, especially, again, it was a mistake playing this immediately after uh, Baldur's Gate 3 because the companion, like, the depth and conversations and characters in Baldur's Gate 3 is just, like, unmatched. Like, it, the it's not even a competition. It shouldn't be a competition, but, like, that's just what was top of mind as i've been playing starfield uh the spaceship builder i've ended up having a ton of fun with that's that's probably what i'm what's driving me the most just to, like have a cooler spaceship and like adding more things and upgrading my points so i can like add better um ship parts and and classes of the ships and that's what's really keeping me going everything else is just like okay i think i've gotten my scratch i will come back to this at some point um with mods and stuff and once i upgrade my pc or fix my pc rather uh and, and play this some more with, with some of that stuff. That's, I think, where the longevity for Starfield will lie. Uh, I I bet you some people are going to, like, mod a better travel system so you're not, like, fast traveling everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, for me, it's probably going to Yeah, no, I think, I think I've, I'm landing here with Starfield the same exact way. Um that I did, that I felt about Final Fantasy 16, where I'm probably gonna just barely, it barely gets that four out of five for me. I firmly believe that it is a game of the year nominee, but not a winner. If if you understand what I'm saying, that's exactly what I said for Final Fantasy 16. I think it's worthy of the nomination. I don't think it's worthy of the win. The gameplay is is dated. The game design is dated. The exploration is dated. Uh, the themes and the settings are all great. Sign me up. It's all good. But from like a critic's standpoint, oh my god, I'm not a real critic yet. But uh, we're getting there. Uh, it's just you know falls a little bit flat, especially when you compare it to like uh, the freedom that Tears of the Kingdom gave you, and then the depth of detail. 
um, and innovation that Baldur's Gate 3 is giving us. So that's where I stand. And then as for the iPhone 15 Pro, uh, apparently some of the reviews are, are coming out and like there's a little bit in the, the 15 Pro. The, I got the Pro Max uh, and the camera updates are actually solid there. It's not just like a digital zoom for the 48 mil or for the 48 megapixel uh, camera, the 12 millimeter lens, the well, alleged 12 millimeter lens. Um, it's actually like, you know, a pretty good upgrade. The gaming performance I'm going to be really interested in. Obviously, like, I don't know when uh, Resident Evil 4 or Village are out, um, but whatever like AAA equivalents games are available on uh on the app store i will be getting them for the and, and testing that on the uh iphone obviously i'm going to be doing a full rundown of like the camera the updates ios 17 is that oh my god i didn't even talk about ios 17 we're going to talk about ios 17 next week along with the iphone perfect ios 17 and iphone talk next week when smashes back because at least he'll be able to play around with ios 17 um some more and we can really give you our thoughts there. We'll do a review of the iPhone. That'll probably be a couple of weeks afterwards. So Starfield review coming up next. Then I'm going to move directly into Baldur's Gate 3. Um, I'm going to try to get around to some music stuff um, for YouTube before Spider-Man 2 drops. But we're already like a month away. So uh, with at least two pretty big review videos coming up, I don't know how much time we'll be able to squeeze in but follow the tiktok i'm like always reacting in the moment to things there got some you know music stuff coming up as well so we'll be we'll be all good uh last bit of news uh more of a in dmgt thing your boy spencer and i are going to ces in january we will literally be there as media uh super cool update like we got approved to be uh, media we got the media passes and everything we're gonna have access to media days and all that it's very exciting um so i did just briefly want to say thank you to everyone that listens on a regular basis i see the numbers you you are all consistent here on the podcast. If you're watching the TikToks, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Truly, we really appreciate it. Uh, and it's this is starting to work, baby. This is starting to like happen. It's starting to happen for us. So we'll be doing a lot of content there uh, in CES in January. But that's I don't know, a little bit of a fun thing. Celebrate with us uh, because it's that's cool. That's cool. I don't know. I I think that's cool. It was a goal that I had set earlier this year for two years from now and you know we crushed that out in nine months so i'm really excited about that it's gonna be a good time so we'll be talking tvs and you know robots and toilets and everything that's <laughs> all the weird stuff that gets announced at ces uh, in january so there's that update uh, again it's up to youtube thanks for listening uh okay bye <laughs>